0: Hello and welcome to the Love Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club.
1: Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! it's <laughs> oh, a goal! foul! Well post for Shira. Goal. Yes. No no we win this league anyway.
0: it's it's oh, it Hello and welcome to the Low Strangers podcast. Thanks, as always for listening. My guest for this episode is Keith Scott. Keith enjoyed quite a rise in football from his early days. ...within the East and West Midlands non-league football scene. It was his goals at places like Hinckley Athletic and Leicester United... ...that earned him a football league opportunity with Lincoln City in 1990. That move didn't quite work out as planned... ...but it did result in a life-changing move to Wickham Wanderers... ...where he was managed by Martin O'Neill... ...as Keith won the conference FA trophy twice amongst other silverware. It was his exploits at Wiccan Wanderers that resulted in John Gorman paying £300,000 for his services as he tried to fix Towns' problems in front of goal during the early months of our one and only season in the top flight. Keith hit the ground running, scoring on his debut against Ipswich, and although the goals dried up quite early that season, he proved to be more than useful as wingman to Jan Fiortoft, who found his form in January 1994. The following season saw more success goal scoring wise, but a loss of form that coincided with a tragedy within the club saw Town struggle in the league, and John Gorman was replaced by Steve McMahon, which prompted Keith's exit from Swindon. Keith played 59 times in all competitions for Swindon Town, scoring 16 but he'll forever be remembered as the man who scored Swindon Town's first winning goal in the Premier League. That's not a bad accolade to have, is it? After Swindon, there were lots of moves for Keith. Stoke, Norwich, a return to Wickham, Colchester, Dover, Scarborough, plenty of mileage, and there was also a host of loan spells as well, before he retired after a brief spell with Northwood during the 2005-2006 season. Keith was in brilliant form walking me through his career in great detail and honesty and I'm really grateful that he agreed to do so. I hope you folks enjoy listening to it as much as I did. Anyway it's time to sound the hooter for the Love Strangers podcast. Enjoy. Richard, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very excited about doing this one because we get to talk about the Premier League.
1: Well, <laughs> well, yeah. So yeah, I suppose uh, we do some sort of uh, what? 26 years later. <laughs>
0: Better late than never. But quite interested about your background, actually. So, what was the team that you supported as a child, and who were your favourite players?
1: I was a Leeds fan. Oh. Um, yeah, Leeds United. So obviously, being a striker Alan Clark. Um, he was my uh, favourite Leeds player, and and actually, when I first started in the professional game at Lincoln City, he became the manager. He took over. Colin Murphy signed me, and then Colin Murphy got the sack, and Alan Clark took over. I was really excited about that because obviously he was a great striker. It was one of those where it was uh, it was a it was a disappointment in the end because I I to be honest with you, he didn't really teach me anything. You know, I was expecting this great Leeds striker, you know, an England striker to sort of teach me the ways, you know, the ways of the world and how to play as a center forward and he didn't so I was a uh, as a 22 year old boy I was bitterly disappointed never meet your heroes no no <laughs> that's true because it's true you know because you have you have this perception of them of what they would be like and what they would be etc etc and actually you can only ever get let down mm.
0: but you got to play at ellen road 90 minutes didn't you during the premiership yeah. season so that was that was that the only time you played up there
1: uh yes it was actually um, and uh, obviously it was great because like I said being a Leeds fan it was obviously fantastic fantastic um, opportunity to play there which is good it's, it's a lovely ground in terms of the atmosphere and what have you it's a bit dated now if you look at modern day stadia and actually we were doing quite well for 80 minutes <laughs>
0: That was <laughs> we'll get to it but that was kind of the story of Swindon's season in many ways wasn't it we were yes, good for was, 80 yeah. minutes and then we fell apart but we'll get to that
1: a bit later on so what are you... Early memories of playing football. My very early memories. My my dad was in the army, and my dad was a good footballer when he was young. He, he going back in the day, he played for Tooting and Mitchum when they were a good non-league side, and and he was in the army. He played for the you know for the army side. Um, he was in the prison service. He played for the prison side, and he played for England prison service as well. And uh, my very earliest memories was was in Germany. We got posted to Germany, and just playing in Germany, just sort of playing. You know, because obviously um, we had army barracks, so playing in the barracks. And um, and then obviously he, he signed for a team in Germany called FC Hereford. I remember going to watch him play football there and just generally sort of having a kick around there. So probably uh, my earliest memories are uh, probably, around, you probably when I was about five or six.
0: OK, so non-league football for you is where you start out up in the uh, Leicestershire area, isn't it? Yes. Um, I I was talking to Giuliano Grazioli last week and okay. I was saying to him that sort of like wikipedia and things of like that could be quite unreliable when it comes to non lead backgrounds but yes. but it's it, we've got here Hinkley Athletic, yes. uh, Bed- Bedworth United, and Leicester yes. United before Correct. a quick break. So, what I would like to know about that part of your career is, mm-hmm. you know, were there, were there any other clubs before? Did you have trials with anyone, or was it start at that level and then you you rose up?
1: No, I I, you know, when I was at school, see what the weird thing is when you was at school, you could write away to clubs for for trials. Mm. And and I was no different to any other kid, you know, because obviously I, I was did all my schooling in Leicester, so you write to Coventry, uh, you know, Birmingham, Aston Villa, you write to all the Midlands clubs, Leicester City, and what have you. Um, so so that was that was what I did. But in terms of actually physically playing football, I was at Hinckley Athletic, sort of when I was about seventeen, because um, my brother played there. Um and he was six years older than me so i so i actually it was just sort of natural progression that i wanted to play football one you come and play for hinkley Athletic? so i did and they had a reserve side called a Hinckley FC so i spent most of the time in the reserves and then i actually got into the first team and i went from there to bedworth united and that was that was purely down to we actually played a team in a, in the FA cup because the Hinkley athletic then you see because the weird thing is then when i started playing football you 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 obviously had Leagues one to four. Then you had the Gola League, as it was then. And then what you had is you didn't have conference north and south. You just had the southern prem, the northern prem and the the Isthmian League. And that's what it was. And then below that, Hinkley Athletic were in the West Midlands League. So there was less leagues, but the quality and the standard of football was better. So we, I was, I was playing in, in the first team for Hinckley Athletic, and, and we played a team I can't remember it was, and I scored four. We won seven one. I scored four, and I was like 17-18. and then from there I went on to Bedworth United, who was Southern Premier League. So they were one down from what's now the National League. So I was eighteen year old playing at that level, and I never really, I never really got in. It didn't really work for me. So then I went back to to Hinckley Athletic, and then I went on to Leicester United, and it was actually Leicester United where. Obviously, the interest arose, and then obviously that's where I went from professional football because the manager then was a guy called John Perkins. He he had a spell at Leicester United over a period of about five or six years, where there was quite a lot of lads who actually went from his his team into professional football.
0: So that's 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 pretty much eighty six to nineteen
1: ninety. So you, are you going from education? What was what was your what was your job when you were in the league? Um, well, my job. Weirdly enough, I, I left I left school and I. Um, I got a job working in the old Midland Bank. They bought out this new credit card called the Midland Indigo Visa Card, which I think might be might be their first direct black card now. And um, they were advertising because it was a new card. They were advertising for staff. I, I applied. I went there. I went on the customer service side, and then from there I went um, I went on to credit and collections, and I was sort of progressing. I was about whatever 19, 20, about twenty. I was progressing. There and I actually, weirdly enough, I was at Hinckley Athletic, he yeah, was about 19 at the time. I was at Hinckley Athletic, and we played Kidderminster Harriers in the FA Cup. And then Kidderminster Harriers were the best non league team in the country. And they had two strikers who were arguably outside of pro football, the best two strikers in non league football Paul Davis and a guy called Kim Casey. And, and I made a decision then that I was going to try and become the best at non league level and have a career in banking. But what happened was I went to Leicester United. I was, work, like I say, working at the bank, uh, played at Leicester United. And um, where it all started for me was we, we in two consecutive weeks, I scored two consecutive hat tricks. And like I say, I was, well, whatever, nineteen ninety one it would be 20, 21, 22, maybe something of that nature. And of course, that, that generated a lot of local interest. A lot of um, scouts were coming to watch. And this went on for a period of about three, four months I then went for a trial at Leicester United I'm um, sorry at Leicester City played a reserve game We played Aston Villa at Filbert Street I scored the goal we won 1-0 I did a couple of weeks training down there and then Colin Murphy signed me at Lincoln City in the old fourth division for 30,000 pounds and that was it
0: Now you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong but I do research but sometimes names get muddled Kim Casey yes. you played with at Wickham didn't Yes you? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah and that's the weird thing because if we then fast forward whatever Non-league football. If we then fast forwards 1993, so probably three years later, maybe Kim Casey came to Wickham, and of course, in my in my head, I wanted to be what he was, the best non-league striker in you know in the country, and have a career in banking. And then, lo and behold, three years later, him and I are um, um, striking striking partners. Yeah,
0: that's really interesting. That the goal was to be the best. Yeah, non-league level, was there any aspirations to go to Football League or were you making a comfortable living and all was well in the banking industry?
1: Well to be honest with you, at the time you see Kim Casey, you know we're going back 93, 94, was on about £200 a week Mm -hmm. you know because he was he was the best so I sort of thought well if I can earn £200 a week playing non-league football and I can have a career in banking then actually I I've not done too bad for myself so the I wouldn't say obviously you want to be a a professional footballer because you want the kudos that surrounds it but it was one of those where I'd I'd set I'd set a goal and that was my goal but obviously what I had to do first before I could even think about being a professional footballer was I had to become the best in non-league football which meant you know I was at um, Hinkley Athletic West Midlands League I then obviously went to Bedworth, and then Leicester United in the Southern Premier League so all of a sudden I'm in the Southern Premier League to become the best I've got to get into the Goaler League and be the best in the Goaler League so there was, I wasn't thinking about being a professional footballer I was just thinking about making those steps up the non-league pyramid to become the best non-league striker made the run ahead of him this is White We've lost the marking now Mark
0: Well, you got to roll the dice by joining yes. Lincoln in 1990, who were a midland yes. lower level Division Four team yes. at that stage. What were your memories from that season?
1: To be fair, my 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 first memory was was my debut. We played Torquay at home. Um, we drew two all. I was fortunate enough to score, uh, but I just remember it was really weird because when you're non-league footballer and you make it as a professional, you think that you've made it but actually well that's when you actually the real hard work starts and if you if you go back sort of you know when I signed for Lincoln 20 odd years ago football was was played differently to the way it's played now um and I remember um the the ball was cleared and we was all running out and as we ran out the center half ran past me and elbowed me in the face um and of course you go on the ground blah blah go anyway after the game we had Two experienced professionals with him. we had a guy called Gordon Hobson, who was about thirty three, who'd been at Southampton and all of that, and we had Mark Wallington, the ex Leicester City goalkeeper. And I was talking to them after the game, I said, That bang out of order that was. They said, What are you talking about? And I told them what had happened and they both said to me, Scotty, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to grow up because if you if you if you don't if you can't deal with that you'll never survive. And that, that was my first recollection of professional football. I suddenly realised that actually making the step up is one thing but actually sustaining a career in professional football is a completely different um, kettle of fish especially when you know in them days you could you people elbow people off the ball people two-footed people people went over the top so you had to grow up very very quickly which obviously in that that year that I was at Lincoln although it didn't work out for me I felt that year was very educational
0: yeah that's pretty much what I was going to ask there so you know what you got out of it because you spent a bit of time out on loan at Gateshead and Boston, yeah. but yeah, that move. Although you know your first, you know, dabble into the football league was also probably one of the greatest things you did because it resulted in yes. your move to Wickham. Of course, um, yes. now yes. Wickham to ev- almost everybody that listens are a mainstay football league team, um, but at this yes. stage they are they are under a nice little revolution. With with lots yes. of ambition in, in the top flight of uh, of non league the, the Vauxhall Conference, I imagine it
1: is at that stage. Yes it was.
0: And it's Martin O'Neill who signed you.
1: Yes, it was, yes, it was. And uh it was really weird because obviously the thing was, Colin Murphy signed me, he got the sack, and then Alan Clark came in and he had an old guy with him called Eddie Edwards. And Alan Clark pulled me in one day and said, Look, Scotty, I don't I don't think you're not in my plans. I don't think you'd be able to, I don't think you're good enough at pro football. I went, okay, can I go out on loan? He said, yes. And I actually went, initially I went to um, Gateshead and we, I only played three games for them. We played Kilimanjaro away. We won three to our scored two. altering them. Then you were a force at non-league football beat us four one. I got that one. And then we played and Wanderers at home of all teams. And, um, and uh, we beat them three two, and I scored one, but I but I also injured my ankle. I twisted my ankle, so I came off. So that was the first time that Martin O'Neill had seen me. And then obviously I was out for a couple of months. Come back, and then I went back out on loan at Boston United, just down the road, and again scored a few goals. And 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 what it was then, um, Martin O'Neill came to watch Boston play, and I was playing up front with a guy called Paul Cavell who at the time was the top goal scorer as it was the GM Vauxhall Conference. Martin O'Neill was looking for a striker. He came down to watch. Um, I scored. Um, and then the following day, because obviously when you was out and learning them days, you didn't get days off. You played on a Tuesday and you was in training the next day. So I, I, I came in training the next day. The manager then at Lincoln said to me, look, Martin O'Neill you know, um, is, is interested in you and OK, he then put me in the reserves, I, Martin O'Neill came to watch, and then it was from then that Martin O'Neill decided to take me on a month's loan.
0: And it just turns into, I don't like the phrase, but absolute fairy tale sort of stuff that period for Wickham mm. Wanderers, because oh yeah, you achieve, what you achieved at Wickham is what hundreds of professional footballers failed to do during hundreds of league, um, of professional games, so you you win the Vauxhall Conference in your final four season. You win the FA Trophy um, twice. You score at Wembley, yeah. and just an incredible time. That was Martin O'Neill's kind of seems kind of rare for that generation because he really did start low in non-league as a manager and built yeah, his reputation from there and went all the way to the Premier League. I always sort of see him as a disciple of Clough. Was that the
1: case? Yeah. You think? Y- yes and no. Um, I read. Brian Clough's book, once on holiday, and actually a lot of the stuff in there, Martin O'Neill. I wouldn't say Martin O'Neill copies, but you can see Martin O'Neill in Brian Clough. If that makes sense. Yeah. Look, he he was a very intelligent man. Um, got a degree in law. Um, used to go in his spare time. Used to go to sit at the old Bailey and that, and, and you know in the Crown Courts and and actually you know watch trials and listen listen to trials and things like that in the viewing gallery. So a very intelligent, very clever man. But what he was to him, football was simplistic. And and when he took me on loan, the interesting thing when he took me on loan, he said to me, he said, look, I'm looking, I need a striker. I think we can win the FA Trophy this year. We can't win the league. We're too far away from the league. But I'm building to win in the league. He said, but I need a big target man. I want you to um, you know, to actually you know to come out on loan first see if you like it see how we get on and then we'll go from there but I'm looking for a big target, man. and and that to me you know that that's all I wanted to hear and and you know and he, all he wanted me to do I said well what do you want this is the iron this is this is I suppose the comical side of him. I said what do you actually want me to do then go down give it to them who can play and get in the box he said that's all I want you to do and that's all I did you know I was there on loan for a month all as I did was it came up to me I got the ball down played it into the midfield and then I just went in the box and just waited for the ball come in the box. And fortunately, we had Steve Guppy on one wing and we had Dave Carroll on the other, who were tremendous players at that level. And of course, Steve Guppy then went on to have a great professional career and played for England. So Martin O'Neill was very simplistic in what he wanted people to do. But he was a very clever, very astute man. And he was also a players manager as well. You know, if you were, if you you if you worked hard for him and... And, and you gave your lot, he'd go to the ends of the earth for you. But if you didn't, then he would he would get rid of you straight away.
0: And he was right. You did win that FA Trophy against Kidderminster, yes. who, as you quite rightly point we out, did. Was, were one of the big hits. So that would have been a tense one. 2-1, 34,000 at Wembley, which yes. isn't much for Wembley. But that's a higher crowd than you played in the Premier League for Swindon. So crazy, really.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and bear in mind, we took probably 25,000 as well that day. <laughs> But it was look, it was a magical time of the year because because the thing is, what people forget as well, look, we we won the FA Trophy twice, we finished fourth, runners up, that and runners, then we won the league. That runners up season, yeah, the runners on goal <laughs> difference, yeah, Jeez. I know. Um, so so we did that. We also we got won the Bob Lord Trophy one year, lost it the the following uh, another year, and also then as well in four they used to have the Champion Shield, which was the non-league equivalent of the charity shield and what it was it was the league winners against the um, fa trophy winners and we also won that three years on the trot this is the thing as well in our final season we won the league the fa trophy the champion shield and we got beat in the final of the bob lord trophy so if we'd have won that we'd have won everything in that season at non-league football and was still was we're still the we the last non-league club to have won the fa trophy and the championship in the same season
0: that's that's crazy, isn't it? When you think um, yeah. of what yeah. sort of um, conference and national league sides have been down there over the last decade, yeah. especially there's been some bona fide league teams playing, and they yeah, they, has. They, they just don't seem to. Uh, I, think, I think a few have gone close, haven't they? Grimsby got to the yes. final. York yeah. might have got to the fi- final one at one stage, but remarkable. And and you know, boy, God, mate, at the same time in that last season. The fantastic Ty Gooden was a teammate as well, wasn't
1: he? Yes, he was. Well, this is the thing you see. We had, like I say, we had Steve Guppy on one side and we had Dave Cole on the other, but we had Ty Gooden and a lad called Simon Hutchinson with the other two wingers. And in their own rights, they they were top class wingers, but they they couldn't get in on a regular basis because of the other two. And 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 that's the thing. We, you know, I we talk about now about box to box midfielders. We had Keith Ryan who ended up playing his whole career at Wickham. He was a box-to-box midfielder. We had a lad called Simon Stapleton, a lad called Steve Thompson. You know, what, what, Martin, O'Neill, it's really, because what Martin O'Neill had, the two centre-halves were big, strong lads. Obviously, the full-backs were, were smaller and could get up and down. In midfield, he had he had his engine room. He had box-to-box midfielders. He had, he had fluffy players out wide. And then, of course, down the middle was myself, the, the big target man. And then we had either a Kim Casey, and Mark West or whatever floating around so it was very methodical in the type of team he wanted you know we we were the type of team that when we went up north you know the altringham's the barrows the Runcorns of the you know of then if they want you know a lot of them because the big thing then years ago was you go up north and you, it's the old classic your southern softies and the northerners kick kick two barrels out of you basically listen if they want we could do that if people wanted to fight us we, you know, we'd fight people we, we had no issues with that if they wanted to play football against us, we had too much quality for them. And 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 to be fair, the year we won the league, we we won the league by a then record fifteen points, which has been beaten now. But we'd won the game, we'd won the league with five games to go. You know, yeah, Martin O'Neill had put together a group of players that had been rejected for one reason or another that were hungry, and if, and what we were, we were round pegs in round holes. And, and it was, uh, we're still friends now. When we meet up you know, 20 odd years later and we've played golf with Martin on a couple of occasions um, and what have you and we're still all great friends and certainly from my point of view in, in terms of what was achieved and what was won that was a, ma- a magical time.
0: 92 93 yeah, is a great year for Swindon as well because we get promoted to the Premier League that season and yes I know this through yes. memory because I remember my dad going but Swindon actually played Wickham in a pre-season friendly that Correct. summer didn't they in 93 Yeah we
1: drew 2 all yeah. yeah we drew 2 all um and I found this out later we drew 2 all um I scored I got one of the goals and for from that pre-season friendly till I would till till obviously John Gorman signed me um, um, Andy ooh, John Gorman's assistant was Andy David Hay. Was t- that t- so Andy Rowland? David or, Hay was David. his foot. Andy Rowland. Yeah. sorry, yes. Yeah, so David Hay was assistant. Andy Rowland was on the coaching staff. Yeah. And every time he watched me, I scored. And then it was actually um, they then signed me. I think would it be October time? I think. Yeah.
0: But you hit the ground running in the football league with Wickham, yeah. don't you? So yeah, really, yeah. really do a great job. I mean, we're talking that. that it's
1: a hell of a step up, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it is. And, and, um, (laughs) you know, know, I, would it's really weird because obviously when we went up into the football league, my immediate, it's really strange. My immediate thought wasn't, I want to play in the premier league because, you know, you, you, I'm a great believer in, you know, you've got to do it in stages. It's very difficult to jump four levels, um, you know, but you can jump one level or two levels. So, so my, when we got into the football league, my goal then was I wanted to be the, the top goal scorer in the then third division. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted Wickham to get... We, You know, we all felt as a squad that we could get back-to-back promotions. We we felt that. And, of course, you want to try and win the league. So when we went into that season, my personal goal was to be the top goal scorer in the football league, in in League 3. Because, then you see, what I thought was then, you see, in my, in my psyche, if I'm the top goals, goal scorer in the football league in League 3, the likelihood is I'll get a championship club that'll come in for me. Um, so that was my thinking. And then as a group, we were thinking we can get back-to-back promotions and we can win the league. And, and of course, yeah, like you say, I think probably in the first 16 games, including cup games, I had 12 goals. Um, and of course, obviously, the Swindon thing happened and... Uh, and then, lo and behold, I'm, I'm like, "Sam, I'm in the Premier League."
0: <laughs> yeah. So Andy Rowland is keeping an eye out on you, as you mentioned there. Yeah. But when you're called into the office, or, or however, yeah. to be told that Swindon Town want you, you're yeah. you, you like, "Like, well, well, hang on, they're Premier
1: League." Well, well, this is the interesting thing, right? We played Bristol Rovers in an FA Cup replay. And when I got off, and it was, I think it was a Sunday we played, and when I got off the bus, because John Gorman was also looking at the striker of Luton, a big striker at Luton, I can't think of his name. And when we got off the bus uh, before the game started, in Bristol River, as I got off, a guy said to me, you, Keith Scott? I went, yes. He said, I, I'm, I'm a scout. I went, oh, OK. Um, he said, um, a Premier League club's looking at you. I'll give you a call later. And, of course, look, you think nothing of it, and you just carried. We played the game anyway. John Gorman was in the crowd, which I didn't know I found out later. Anyway, so that was on the Sunday. On the, on the Monday, I get a phone call from Martin O'Neill, and he said, Scotty, have you been talking to an agent? I went, no. And I told him the story. I said, that's it. I said, I, he never told me he was an agent, Guff. He said he was a scout. He said, okay. He said, okay. And then that was it. I never thought anything of it. And then, it was, it, then, then I think it was a Wednesday or a Thursday or something of that nature. He'd, he'd, no, sorry, the week prior to that, he'd said to me, Scott, how much do you think you're worth? And I said, probably today's money gaffer, 150 grand. He said, yeah, that's what I was thinking. So that was a week previous. Then he rang me on the Monday. Then I get a phone call from this guy who's, who said he was a scout but was an agent and told me he was an agent. And he said to me, look, Premier League club, you could be playing in the Premier League, you know, on Saturday. Can I represent you? And I went, no, I don't, I don't have agents. I'm sorry. Because then, you see, the agents took a percentage of your money. And then I got another phone call from the gaffer, and he said, Scotty, you are you you're definitely not spoken to any agents. And, of course, by this time, I'm sort of thinking he knows. So I had to tell him what had happened. He said, look, get down the ground now. I want to talk to you. So, of course, my wife, who, who I'm st- obviously married, still married to, she said, you better go down. She said, you're not in trouble, are you? I said, I don't know. He just told me I've got to get down the ground. I said, but I've told him the truth. What? And she said, you better go then. Anyway. Goes down the ground, and this is at Wickham, and was sat in the, um, you know, in his in his office. I went, what's the matter, Gaffer? He said, uh, sit down. He said, we've had an offer for you. I went, okay. He said, Swindon Town. And okay. He said, look, here's the situation. He said, the board are going to leave it up to you. If if you don't want to go, the board will reject the offer. They don't need the money. I went, okay. He said, but before you make a decision, let me just say this to you. If you go and sign for Swindon. You'd be playing in front of 20,000 people on Saturday. If you decide to stay at Wickham, we've got Rochdale away. There'll be 1,500 people there. He said. So, what do you want to do? I said, well, gaff, I want to talk. I want to go. He said, of course you do. And then, of course, I met John Gorman. We had a chat. PFA did my did my contract. I think that might have been something like a, a you know a Wednesday or something of that nature. I trained on the Thursday, trained on the Friday, made my debut on the Saturday.
0: I find it remarkable and it, it kind of a brash, breath of fresh air really that that Wickham was so willing to let you progress, money or you no know money. It's three hundred thousand pounds, which isn't to be sniffed at. But yeah. you're part of a team with huge unity and you know, Wickham yeah. did go up that season and yeah. you know, you could have made the next step up. And and you're sort of risking it and you're looking at the paper and you're seeing this team haven't even won in the league yet, but even if they go down, you've achieved your goal to make to the sort of championship level, haven't you? So it's it, yeah. was it win win yeah. or was it was it
1: very much a heavy heart? It was it was a heavy heart because obviously, you know, I and, and Wickham did go up and 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 I believed we had a chance of winning the league. So it's one of those you take the gamble on a team that are bottom of the league at the Premier League, and if we're being brutally honest, they're probably going to get relegated, um, or do you stay with a club? That actually have got a serious chance because we we're probably about fourth in the league then, we have got a serious chance of winning the of winning a title. But then you then think about it and you think, well, actually, you may never get another opportunity to play in the Premier League. Yeah. It was a no brainer. You know, you, you take the gamble and and it's like anything. You 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 believe you can make a difference. And like like I, said, I signed, I signed. I don't have any regrets about signing for Swindon at all. It's a fantastic football club. Really enjoyed my time there. Um, it's just disappointing that you know we we didn't stay up early, and it, you know, and if you work on the basis that we were we'd scored, I think forty nine goals in the season, probably about the eleventh top goal scorers in the Premier League that year, but unfortunately we conceded a hundred, which was our failing. Mm.
0: Well, let's let's talk about this Premier League season then. So the, the way it was working before you arrived is, Town had brought in Yanagafuortov to. Yep replaced Dave Mitchell andy Mutch had yep. come in because there was an early drought but, but goals were hard to come by so in came you so what yes. are your what are your early memories of that squad because we all know that Swindon were entertainers we all know that yeah. John Gorman was the nicest man in the business what what was the general yes. vibe was it was it confident that it could be turned around or what, what was happening yeah
1: yeah there was yeah listen we 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 believe we could steal you know we still had a lot there was a lot of points to play for mm. And actually, if you look at it, there were some good players in that squad, you know, um, some really good players. If you look at the likes of, you know, you had Paul Bowden, who, who obviously was an international, Nicky Summerby, you had John Moncur, Martin Ling, uh, you had Kevin Horlock. Um, we had some good player Jan, um, who was a tremendous footballer, Yan for, for a big man, incredibly skillful. So we believed that we could stay up. but it, But our failing was, our failing was our naivety and also the fact that you know, John, you know, God bless him, wouldn't change the way he wanted to play for anybody, which, which you, you've got to take a hat off and admire. And wherever we went to play in the Premier League, we always got a round of applause from the, you know, from the home fans because we played entertaining football. But the problem was, in playing that way, you're very open, and it, and you, you're up against top class strikers and midfielders that, if you give them an opportunity, they're going to punish you and. And ultimately, every mistake we made, we got punished. And, and it was as simple as that. So I think I think really, you know, if you look at, if, you, if hindsight's a great thing, you know, if we'd have probably had a different mentality of where, you know, we went to places and we, we shut up shop and played four, five, one and played for a point and, or try and nick one on the break, you know, we may have stayed up because we weren't a million miles away from staying up the way we played. But... It's, it was it was the John Gorman way, and uh, and he stuck to his guns, and and you've got to respect him for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what you had there, and your coaching staff were essentially would it be they were they would have been in the quality the quality street gang, the Celtic FC sort of. Um, Youngsters, yes. So they had pedigree, and John Gorman was a fantastic assistant. David Hay had loads of experience. What were they like as tacticians, as coaches, as man managers? What are your memories of those two? You
1: know, John Gorman's philosophy was every player can improve. You know, I if I if I in my football career, Martin and Neil John Gorman, the two people I respect the most, and they're they're the two people that when I see them, I only I I still call them gaffer. They're the only two managers I've worked under. I do. Um, and they both taught, taught me about the game in different ways. Uh, but John Gorman's philosophy was coaching, you know, you can improve, you can become better. And he was a very, very good coach. If anything, he was too nice. That was his probably one of his failings. He was too nice a guy. David Hay was, again, great knowledge, good coach, good communicator. And he was probably a little bit tougher, you know. So if anybody was going to get a telling off, it was David Hay. Um, whereas John Gorman was more of a coach. So, you know, there was, there was no issues with them as, as a managerial team. It's just, it's just Richard. We were just naive, you know, you know, I remember we played Blackburn away and we lost three, one and Alan Shearer got two of the goals. The first goal he got was from a throw in on the edge of the box. We never put anybody in front of him. He got it into his body, turned, smashed it in. Mm -hmm. He did the same on the opposite side about 20 minutes later. Now, you would have thought you'd have learned from the first one. You'd have had somebody in front of him, but that's how we were. We, 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 we played open, attractive football and, and, and we got punished. But a lot of that was through our own naivety of actually not realizing at that level of football, you, you can't make mistakes. And we made too many.
0: It was also, was that your first move to the West country?
1: Yes, it was. Um, it was, I was there, I was, I was there on Saturday. I watched the, um, the game against, um, Plymouth and, uh, Look, it's, it's nothing's changed. There's still a lot of the faces there. Um, but it's just that, look, it's just, we talk about family clubs and Swindon is a family club. It's still a family club. And it's, you know, I enjoy going back there. I really love going back there. I really enjoyed my time there. I wish it would have been longer, but it wasn't. It wasn't to be. Um, but, it, but it, you know, it, it really is. It really is a fantastic football club.
0: Well, let's go through the goals of the Premier League season for you. So it's Won't not... take long. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you're right, you're right. But we're going we're gonna to celebrate each and every one of them because they all came in results where we got points, which is fantastic. Yes. So the first yeah, one know, yeah. is against Ipswich. It's like John yes. Walk's 600th 100th game for them. He gets a brace, but... Oh my goodness! If ever a, a centre forward wanted a ball planted so well into the box, Terry Fenix to your head was inch yeah. perfect. He doesn't. I guess Terry Fenwick was at very much the tail end of his career at that point, but that was mm-hmm. sublime.
1: Oh yeah, it was, and and you know, and and what? And it's one of those, you know, as a striker, what you tend to do is when a player gets his head up and he moves and, he, and his foot comes back he's going to deliver and then you you make your run. That's when you make your run. And I saw him do that and I made my run and he just put it probably around sort of penalty spot. And it's one of those where as a striker, you're running onto it. So you see the ball coming all the way. And all you're thinking about is make good contact, make good contact. And I managed to do that. And of course it went in the back of the net and and it's, you know, whether whatever level of football you play at, whether it's premier league or non-league football, you want to score on your debut because as a striker, that settles the nerves a little bit. And, uh, and it, listen, it was a tremendous feeling and, and we managed to get a two-two draw out of it, didn't we?
0: Yeah, absolutely we did. But considering your background of playing non-league football in the 80s, yeah. what, what was it like yeah. playing alongside Fennec, Kilkline, Macaveni, Sanchez during your season
1: there, well, that Premier League season? They're from the old school, aren't they? You know, Terry Fennec, you know, you, you look at Brian Kilkline, you know, in his pomp at Coventry, he was a fearsome centre-half. I think... But off the pitch, he's a lovely guy. Off the pitch, he's he's quietly spoken, lovely guy off the pitch. Just an animal on it. So was Terry Fennick to be fair. But the but you know the, these are throwbacks from 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 the old days, really, where they'll go through the back of you, they'll two foot you and things of that nature. So you, you learn a lot from them. You know, I remember I remember Terry Fenwick saying to me, you know, about making runs in the box and all of that. And he said, Scotty, what you got to remember from a defender's perspective, he said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have you at an angle so that we can see you and the ball. And I said, OK. He said, so listen, what you want to try and do is you've got to try and get defenders flat-footed. We'll be on our toes. So what you've either got to do, you've either got to feint to go back post to come in, because as soon as you feint to go back post, we're going to step back. Once we step back and we're on our heels, we're dead in the water, if if you make a run across the box. So Terry was good like that in the sense that he would talk to me about what a defender would be looking to do with a striker and how he felt you could actually combat that. So that was great. The same with with obviously Killer Kill, or Kill or Klein, and of course Frank McAvany. You know the other end of the scale where he talks about what he can do in a nightclub and how he can pick girls up and things of that nature.
0: <laughs> 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 Say no more. The second goal is one of the most important goals, certainly yeah. in modern Swindon history, because. You know, we've only been in the top flight once, we didn't win many yeah. games, but you are the man that scored the win, the only goal from the game against QPR. It's it's yeah. so vivid. So I'm 10 years old during this game, and I remember following it, uh, it was a night game, wasn't it, every yes. every goal you scored it looked like a freezing cold day Luke Nyholt gets sent off for two bookings in like a minute doesn't he which is the most Luke Nyholt yes. thing yeah, ever but it doesn't matter because Paul Bowden does what Paul Bowden does best he puts a cross into the ball in fighting. I think it's
1: much that, that headed That's it right. down and you swept it in yeah deadly from about a yard wasn't <laughs> yeah, I it doesn't was, matter. but we will tell you what was interesting if you ever see it if you ever get a chance to see any footage of the goal Paul Bowden took the corner and he takes a corner and I actually I actually run in the box to head it on goal. <laughs> but I miss head, I mishead it and it goes back to him. Yeah. And then of course he puts in a deep cross to Andy Much. I make the run into the six yard box. much he puts it across and then it's one 0 So so yeah, so it, 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 it's it's one of those where I actually head it back to Paul Bowden and then, then he go, but look, it was a great, it was a great thing because what made it more important was the fact that Luke got sent off. So I think it was probably 20, 25 minutes into the game. We're Mm -hmm. down to 10 men. And of course, when you bottom the league, you've not won a game. I would imagine all the Swindon fans are thinking, Oh no, here we go. Here we go. But we didn't, you know, we rallied. If anything, it rejuvenated us really the fact that we, we was a man down. And I think on that, that night we were destined, you know, to actually win that game. And, um, and at the time when we beat q p r they were the top london club in the country as well, so you know, and they had some good players, Les Ferdinand was playing up front for them then, but it was it was a great night because it, it it it's 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 a monkey off your back, isn't it you know you're waiting for that first victory, we managed to get it, and then of course you know all of a sudden spirits are high again and and you try and go on and try and get more points after that. So it was good. It was a good night for everybody concerned with the club, I think. Paul Bowden,
0: I've, I've, st- I've talked to Paul and he's yeah. one of the nicest men um, yeah. you, could, you could hope to talk to, especially in this sort of scenario. And we yeah. talk about that season, of course, is famous for him for missing the penalty. Do you remember what it was like when he came back from that? Because, of course, he scores against Ipswich from the spot. Yeah. Do you do you remember him coming back? Well, funnily enough, what? Well,
1: after that break, I, as I was coming to the car park, into the ground, he was there as well, and I was talking to him about it. I'd not been there long, so it was pretty difficult for me to sort of say, oh, fair, mate, get the bar, eh? Um, so, um, so I, I, you know, I just said, look, how would you feel? And he said, look, that's football. It happens. You know, you can't dwell on it. It's disappointing, but you can't dwell on it. And, and that's kind of it was. But, do you know, the, the thing I feel sorry for him about, more than anything, was he didn't miss many penalties. No. You know, he was he was a... He was a a tremendous striker of the ball you know he was a left footer and, and, all, and most left footers strike the ball very well and he was very crisp in the way he struck the ball and, and, and I think I think probably the reason why apart from the you know obviously the obvious reason why when he missed it you know what the consequences of it were but I think most people didn't expect him to miss mm-hmm. I think that's what it was um, because he I, you know I, I don't recall when I was at Swindon him missing a penalty Paul Bowden From the spot for Swindon. He scored!
0: You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. When you're growing up, you're a Leeds fan, but the biggest team in the nation by far, and especially in your early years, one of the best teams in the world were Liverpool. Yes. So you yes. within a season you go from playing Merthyr Tydfil Witton, Albion away. Yes. And now you're at Anfield within a month of your of your professional career kickstarting again after that Lincoln yeah. stint. Can you remember just like maybe the bus up and just thinking what the hell is going
1: on? Yeah, it, it's surreal, isn't it, really and uh you know we went we go overnight to a hotel, <clears throat> you know and you go in the the weird thing is, you know, you go into a hotel and and it's like, you know, you're playing, you're playing Liverpool, you're playing Liverpool at Anfield, you know, the the, the great Anfield, and bear in mind then as well, I think as well they still had the cop, didn't they? Yeah. I think It'd in '93 they still had the cop. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was yeah, it was surreal, you know, you you you're going you're going to the bus, going on the bus to the ground, it's full of Liverpool fans, you've got the Scally kids who are obviously Mm-hmm. making gestures towards you and things of that nature. Then you go through the gates. With the gates, you'll never walk alone. You know, you go into the ground and uh, the changing room. You walk, you know, you obviously go on the pitch, have a look at the pitch, and you you go down the steps where you've got this is Anfield sign, and then you go up a, some more steps onto the pitch. So, yeah, look, it, 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 it's, you know, I, I remember watching the great Liverpool side in the, in the European Cup days on, on and things of that nature. And, and it And it's, from my point of view, you know, it's really weird because when people ask me oh you played in the Premier League yeah I did they always say to me did you play at Manchester United no I missed that one did you play at Liverpool I played at Liverpool yeah you know they're the two that they ask um, and um, I was fortunate to play there it was a fantastic atmosphere the, the noise of the cop was, was incredible we were what three or four minutes away from winning and, and then obviously I think it was Mark Wright who scored the equaliser I think
0: yeah well we'll focus on on the what could have been um, the winner and it's all Kevin Horlock, yeah. isn't it? He does not absolutely, yeah. He sort of wrong foots McManaman, he beats Rob Jones and Mark Wright, and he puts it into the box, yeah. and you uh, and you do the rest past Rubula, yeah. And just, yeah. I mean, I, I I followed that on Grandstand, and I remember Grant the uh, the commentator at the game being like, oh, this isn't good for Sooners because obviously they were going through a terrible ste- stage of their yeah. uh, history at that point, but. But it doesn't matter because that's the sort of things that supporters of small clubs like Swindon dream of, isn't it? Going toe-to-toe with, yeah. with the big names, whether they're good at that stage or not is irrelevant. And just, I remember when that going in, I was just, oh, my goodness. And it's funny because watching the highlights in mm-hmm. the prep for this, John Barnes was only 30 at that stage. But oh no. but he he looked, he didn't look like he, he looked much older, but but... Yeah. Oh. Very rotund, wasn't it? <laughs> I was I, I was I was tiptoeing
1: around it, but yeah, yeah. But oh,
0: two two at Liverpool, what you know, yeah. what we wouldn't give for that now.
1: <laughs> no, listen, it, look it was a great performance and if you actually look over the course of the season we drew one all at Arsenal. Yeah. Three all at Sheffield Wednesday.
0: Big round, you know, so...
1: Yeah, there was, you know, so we, you know, we, 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 you know, you you take Leeds. We were 10 minutes away from getting a result there. I think Kevin Horlock hit the post there at 0-0 as well. Um, You know, so we, we had, we had over the course of this, don't get me wrong, we had some atrocious results. If you take Aston Villa 5, Edmonton 6 and and, and Newcastle 7. But, you know, with some of the big clubs, you know, we we did, we had some great results, Manchester United 2-2 at home. It's, it, you know, so if you look at it over the course of the season, we we weren't a million miles away from staying up. It's just like, like I say, that old naivety and experience, and we got punished.
0: Well, your final goal of the season came in yeah. December, and it's it's. I gotta admit, I, I enjoyed watching it because I think it's the luckiest of all of them. I'm not. I'm still not quite sure how it got in. It's a it's a boding, no. it's a boding corner. Much yes. rises and he beats everyone, but misses it completely, and it kind of yeah. just hits your head. Or you guide it towards the goal. There's plenty of Southampton players who could probably stop it. It's not pacey, and it just goes past Besant. Very funny. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was because it, it's again, it's one of those you see where you know, the, again, the the cross comes in, the corner comes in, you make a run. Mm. You know, you make a run, and 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 I was always taught, you know, make make the run, obviously anticipate that everybody may miss it yeah. because you see, you know, you watch football sometimes now and you'll see that, you know, and Andy much goes up as, and then the people behind him think, Oh, he's going to head it. So they sort of, you know, they, they relax a little bit. And then of course he misses it and they go, Oh, you know, if I'd have carried on and got there. So in my head, it was always, I'm going to make the run. I'm going to make the run. Regardless of what happens. If he heads, it, it goes over my head, to um, But as it happens, like you say, he missed it. I continued my run, yeah. and, it, and really, all I'm looking to do is just get head to ball. That's it. I'm not looking for power. I'm not looking for direction. I'm just looking for head to ball, and that's what I did. And of course, it, it, it just seemed to go through a, you know, a flurry of players, and it ended up in the back of the net. And
0: that was a winner, of course,
1: as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Southampton, yeah, two one. So, and then it all went downhill from there.
0: <laughs> well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because you're, what, four goals yeah. in, in about seven games at that stage.
1: Yeah. And then yeah.
0: you are, I mean, you're, you're regular throughout the rest of the season. What, what yeah. do you think
1: happened there? Because you've put yourself in all the right places. Yeah. it's uh, i tell you what, one of the things. I At Christmas, I had a virus at Christmas. I know that. I had a virus, which didn't help. But also what I did as well, I, I would... When, I knew my limitations in football. I knew what I was good at and I knew what I wasn't good at. And my biggest attributes were, were, were I was good in the air. I was physical. And when I actually got going running-wise, I, I, I was quick. You know, once I got over that first five or ten yards, I was quick. So my, and, I was, and I was athletic. I, they, they, were, they were the four, for me, the four strengths in my game. So, when I, so what I did was what, when I went to Swindon, I thought, right, I've got to get fitter, stronger you know more athletic blah 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 and if i'm being honest i was i was physically i was i was fit and i was stronger but i but i did way too much in the gym way too much and if I, if i'm being honest i probably put on about half a stone in weight but which which was muscle but of course what that did was that detracted from the rest of my strength so i i became a little bit um probably robotic if i'm being honest and and what i did was Obviously, the gaffer dropped me for a few games. I realised what I was doing. I stopped going to the gym. And then towards the end of the season, I started to find the form again that I had at the beginning when I went there. The only difference was I, I, you know, I, could, I couldn't get any more goals. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think the virus helped over Christmas. I don't think that helped. But the primary thing was probably I hit the gym too much, if I'm being honest.
0: I love the accusation that's fired your way. I say love, you know, for want of a better phrase, but
1: the phrase, he always looked tired. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and, you know, and and, and to be honest with you, you know, that was purely and simply because I was probably carrying about half a stone too much for football. And that was purely and simply down to hitting the gym. And then, like I say, I stopped completely and then I began to lose that weight. And probably the last 10, 11 games of the season, I felt really good again. And, and the only thing I felt was missing in my game was goals. But what was fortunate was the fact that Jan and I had, had formed a good partnership and we complemented each other very well. And, of course, he was scoring left, right and centre.
0: When Jan couldn't mm. score, he he was still... If you watch the games, he's still putting himself around doing his best yeah. to contribute. But yeah. we seemed... I wonder if it's because he was an overseas player, but he, he just... We just seemed to write him off as fans. Um, I remember sort of the adults at that stage were going, he's useless, he's got to go. But when it flipped, mm. you were the perfect foil for him, weren't you? And it, it, yeah. it was funny. Yeah,
1: it is funny because cause it, cause he, cause obviously it was World Cup year as well and he wanted to play for Norway. So he was going to go back on loan at Lillestrøm, where, where he came from. And we played, we played Ipswich away in the FA Cup replay and he was going to come off. And they had his number because I couldn't play. I was cupped on and the sort. They got his number out. He got put through and he scored. And then, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but John Gorman, for, I don't know whether it was his decision or anybody else's or what have you, or, or a collective decision from the coaching staff, they decided to to play me and him up front together, and it worked fantastically well because, although Jan's about six foot three, six foot four, he's not a target man. You know what he is. He's a very, very skillful player, and he will look, he will bring other players into the game. But he needs to play off of a target. He needs a player to probably take the physical um, side of the game out of his game, and that's and that's where we complemented each other very well. Because I was quite happy to do that, and of course, what he was good at eating the game up and things of that nature. And
0: there, there are there are plenty of games that you feature in 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 in, in- this part of the season, which are extremely iconic even to this day. I mean, the win against Tottenham um at the county grounds, and of yeah. course 2 2 draw against Manchester United, yeah. who are that Manchester United side, well they're, they're getting to number one in the charts, let alone, you know, winning the league yeah. easily. We're the only team that puts four goals past them in all in both of those games combined. But it was just Amazing. Roy Keane wrote in his autobiography. He criticised teams like Swindon, who sort of turned it up against Manchester United. But surely that's what you've got to do.
1: Oh yeah, listen. You've got to because if you don't, you just you just get beat, hands down. And listen, they were good sides. Yeah. You know, if you look at the players they had, you know, there were no mugs. Um, and 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 but that's but you see that that's it's really weird because he. You know, if you look at that season, the teams, the better sides, the Arsenals, the Liverpools, the Manchester United, the Tottenham of this world, those teams, that QPRs, who want to play football, and, you know, we we did better against, we probably had a better turn of results against them than we did the like, your Oldham's, your Wimbledon's, the teams that want to fight and scrap. And, you know, you have to up your game against the best, because if you don't, you're just going to get rolled over. But equally, I think the way they played and the way we played, it sort of we sort of complemented each other in a way because we both teams we wanted to play football. When we went to Oldham and you know they just Joe Royal side they're just physical and they want to kick fight you know and all of that it didn't really suit us because we weren't that type of team.
0: Did you ever have the opportunity to sort of at any moment during these games? I know it's all about focus and keeping it, but considering your rise and you're quite right you only, you, you might only have one pop at the Premier League and this was your only yeah. um, pop at the Premier League did you, do did you have any opportunity to just look around you and go I'm in the Premier League oh, oh
1: look you know you look at you know if you take the goal again at Anfield really you know when I score it I don't you know the beautiful thing about it the Swindon fans are behind that goal and, and it was packed with probably 4,000 Swindon fans you know, and you just go there and you celebrate in front of them and, you know, and then you turn around and you're looking there's probably thirty-five, forty thousand 40,000 people in the stadium. And then you think, Do you know what, this is what football all about. Um, but but for me, the, the sad thing really was, was A, we got relegated and B, I never really got an opportunity to get another crack at it, really, because I would have liked to have done it, had another crack, because... I would have learned from my mistakes of, of when it when I was in the Premier League with Swindon, and I, and I would have I would have done things differently in terms of my own preparation for games, most definitely. Yeah.
0: Squad wise, that's, yeah. Let's go because we talk about a lot on the pitch. What what's Swindon Town Football Club in the nineties like behind the scenes?
1: What in terms? Well, I suppose in terms of facilities, we used to train. A, we used to train. I think at the the ground that used to belong to the bank. I think. Um, I think. Um we had our own training ground, which was nice Um we had um, a guy called Steve Slattery who used to do massages after the game, who funnily enough when John Gorman was in the England set up and Glenn Hoddle, he went there. But it but look, it was good. You know, we had we had the gym, which I think is still there by the by the ground. Um the facilities the facilities were very good. You know, the club looked after you. You know, behind the scenes it was actually we had our boot boys who've got all our our gear ready for for training, so you just basically turned up. Um, so so yeah, it, it, you know if you're going back to 1993, the you know the Premier League days with Swindon were, were you know behind the scenes were excellent.
0: And could a Premier League footballer walk the streets and go out on a on an evening?
1: Oh, you could then. Yeah, because you didn't have social media. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, listen, social media is a great thing, but it's also a bad thing. And uh, look, you went out and you 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 know, you, 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 you know, you, you, you got recognized, but, you know, people spoke to you, but, you know, if you went out for argument's sake, if, you know, after a game on a Saturday, if we went out on a Saturday night and you had a few beers, you know, you didn't have people taking photographs and things of that nature. They, they'd come and say hello, have a chat, and then they'd leave you alone. So it, it, it was a different, a different mentality of person, you know, whereas nowadays you look at the modern day footballer and, and with social media, you, you know, as a footballer now, certainly in the Premier League, because of how it you know, it's twenty four seven now. Um, Premier League football, you know, footballers have to they have to ha- live a different lifestyle. But then look if you're earning fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty nine, a hundred thousand pounds a week, it's not really too much to ask, I don't think.
0: No. Who who were your in that first season, who were your closest pals at the club?
1: Well Paul Bowden was my roommate. Hmm. So I got on well with Paul. And always have done off the pitch and everything and uh you know but but we didn't you know we 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 didn't there wasn't anybody up in there who was actually who I, who I felt was was distance from the from the team um the only one I would say was probably Ross McLaren um because he was always injured anyway um and he spent most of his life in the sauna, and he's the only bloke I know who spent most of his life in the sauna and never lost any weight. Um, you know, so, so Ross was, and know, you know, he, he, he was on the periphery, not because he wasn't light. He was just the fact that he was, he was, he had a long-term injury, so he was never really joining in training. But the rest of the group, listen, we, we, had, we actually had a very, very good team spirit. We all got on. There was no bad eggs. We had a laugh and a joke. Um, you know, so it, it, it was, the Wickham dressing room was excellent and actually so was the Swindon. And dressing them. A little bit of space for Frank McAvendi. Away from Parker. Not from Bruce though. Nighold with a shot took an inflection. He did! Luke <laughs> Nighold has equalised the Swindon Town. At bottom of the table they may be, but they are made of stern stuff.
0: Well, as you say, <laughs> we're relegated. Um, we the, the yes. hundred goals thing is magnificent. Five goals at home needed to concede on the last day, and we do it. Almost, and we did it. And yeah, it's, it's almost like a legacy uh, achievement, isn't it? Yeah. Because that's the only way. That's the only way we're remembered by a lot of people that we're the uh, the highest conceded, aren't we? Uh, and now that it, uh,
1: has he been beaten though?
0: Has he been beaten? No, been no, beaten? no. Oh dear. Points wise, okay. we're nowhere near the worst. But um, but oh, because good. <laughs> well, yeah, quite. But because. The amount of games has dipped since um yeah. it's gone from forty two to thirty eight. I think a couple of the teams have come close, but if they had those forty two it would happen. But alas, our record remains. Even that derby side didn't uh didn't do it. But the season ends and oh. we are one of the favourites. We we made a lot of friends, didn't we? And and yeah we did the expectancy was that we would hit the ground running. I think we went to have Cyprus that summer didn't we for preseason that's not too we bad.
1: we we did um we went there for and we only went there because Norwich pulled out, so we did it. We went there and we played four games in eight days um it was fantastic and to be honest with you we came it was actually it turned out to be a good thing because for myself personally, I felt great coming back and starting the season up Obviously, I was on the bench for the first game, but but I felt in really good shape, and it and it was a really good eight days. And like I say, we played four games in eight days. It was quite intense, but very enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I mean the squad doesn't change dramatically. What well, we lose, Monker, we lose Summerby from the first eleven. That's pretty much it. We lose Aidy Whitbread early on um, yeah. in the Joey Beecham transfer, and Steve White goes to Hereford, but that's no major because you know. Although very, very much a legend, he he done his time, so to speak. Yes. And, and and the Port Vale game, if I remember, was on TV. You you yes. are put on the bench, and that he goes with Fjortov and much, but you score the yep. second. So yes, remember, I remember yep. again vividly. Remembering, here we go then. This is this is just this is just a stopgap before I return to the Premier League, <laughs> um, and it really does start well in that first month or yeah, so, doesn't it, does.
1: it? Yeah, it does. We we actually did hit the ground running, and um, like I said, I was on the bench, and I think I was on the bench against Tramir as well. Yeah. And then after that, the gaffer decided to play Jan and I up front. And uh, and in fairness, obviously Jan was being was prolific, but to be fair, I was scoring quite regularly as well. And we and we. You know, we started the season well, but then we—I think we had a month where we had a really bad run of results. I think, uh, which culminated in we played Bristol City away, Ooh, didn't yeah, we?
0: Yeah, Sunday.
1: Mm. Yeah, and we lost three-two, and I think that was when John Gorman lost his job. Then.
0: That's right. Um, I mean, we, you didn't—you didn't get to play against Oxford um during your town career but you played in the derby at Swindon with Reading and you scored the yes. winner in that in yes. that, and you you go on to commit the sin of playing for Reading later but we'll forgive you for that because that Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome that that um rivalry seems to be more or less extinct really um yeah. but Eleven thousand at the county ground on a Wednesday, yeah. loads of great players playing in that, both for Swindon and for reading and and a late win so it's it's oh, it's just so frustrating this season for me because 'cause we're scoring goals, but we're just conceding them, yeah. aren't we
1: yeah we are and that's that was the thing you say you know if 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 you like they say you look at you going forward, we're fantastic, but again at the back, very naive, and I think a lot of it was down to the way we played as well um. You know you know we I th- you know if we were winning two nil, there was no guarantee we were going to win two nil mm. but but that's that's how John Gorman was, that's how he was the gaffer, you know, and he wanted us to play a certain way and and it and with that comes comes consequences and and like I say, we must have had a run of four or five games where I think we just had a run of bad results, and like I say, the Bristol City game was the i suppose the straw that broke the camel's back really mm.
0: I remember an absolute humdinger ding and he played in. And it's, it's, it sticks in my mind for a couple of reasons. And I've mentioned it a few times. It's the Wolves game at home. 3-2. Yeah, and you score in that. And yeah.
1: the,
0: the thing about those the, the things I remember, the Wolves were really, really well fancied. They had Graham Taylor as yeah. their manager, who'd only just left the England post at that stage. Mm-hmm. They had Mark Walters playing for them, Steve Ball, right. obviously. But we yeah. but Joey Beecham had one of his best games for Swindon that game. But it's really, really weird and because my memory of that game is you receiving treatment at the town end. And of course, Kevin Morris w- was helping yes. you and he sadly passed. Boy, it must have been weeks, weeks or yeah. not long after. And one of th- the things that I really, really enjoy when when I talk to players from this generation or people who encountered Kevin Morris and Eddie, and Eddie Buckley is yeah. what absolute characters they were behind yeah. the scenes.
1: They were, you know, and... And it's really look. It was you know when you know what he did was was just traumatic, really. And and the weird and this is the thing you see, I don't think the club should have got rid of John Gorman. You know, if if you look at it, Stephen Mann came in, he decided he wanted to sell a lot of players, which was myself included, um, and the club got relegated. I know they they obviously won the championship the year before, but I I believe. That if John Gorman would have stayed, we'd have, we'd have stayed up. No, no ifs or buts about it. And you know, you got to think about we, we. You know, we were we were hit the ground running. We were doing really well, and then out of the blue, Kevin commits suicide. Out the blue, you know, nobody could see it coming. I'd had treatment with him not two or three days beforehand. Players had had treatment with him on the day he, he actually committed suicide. You know, and 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 what I felt was that the the club, the board. You know, didn't take into account how traumatic that was. Not just for his family, obviously Kevin's family, because they, you know, they never knew, they didn't know why he did it. Um, I remember his wife saying, you know, why would, I, why, why, why did he do it? I don't know why. You know, but it also had an effect on I think that I think the players as well, and and we had a bad run of results and and what have you. And I just felt the club could have been a little bit more supportive to John Gorman if I'm being honest, uh, because I thought he handled the situation very well. You know, and it, it, it's it's difficult, you know, anybody who's lost anybody in their family, you know, to actually then have to go to work the next day and continue working as if nothing's happened and produce results is a difficult thing to do. And that's what we had to do as players. And I, th- I think I think it, it was, it, you know, it affected... The club and the players a lot more than probably people give it credit for. But but him and Eddie Buckley, listen, they were throwbacks from from the good old days and they had great stories. And that was the saddest thing about Kevin. You know, he was a, he was a, he was a larger than life character. He had a story. He was a really really nice guy. And and when he when we found out, you know, that it had happened, honestly, we were just every single every single player was absolutely gobsmacked. Couldn't believe it. Because he was a larger-than-life character, you know, and it was the one thing that you would never have. Somebody would have said, "Make a bet." You'd have never done it because you would never have believed he, he you know, he was that obviously sad, or something in his life was making him wanted to do that. It was really, really sad and traumatic for the club. It really was. Mm.
0: I think I think you've nailed it. To be honest, because I'm not mm. from Swindon, so I didn't feel what the news how much of an impact it had on the town, but I will mm. absolutely say it was just a little bit of text on CFAX. You know, that yeah, I, yeah. I think I I was too young to really appreciate, but I definitely got that sense of there's and I get the sense now I should say of it's not taken into consideration. Like many, many no. people, especially when I was a kid, footballers only exist at three o'clock on a Saturday. That's yeah. that's all they do. I, I turn up and there they are, and when I, and then I go home, and then they reanimate a, a week later all that yeah. stuff they do in between and when you watch the documentary about swindon from the ninety two ninety three season, a good chunk of that is in the physio's room with Kevin Morris and his pipe talking, so that 's yeah. obviously going to have an impact on a group of young men when yeah. when they 're playing when they 're playing absolutely. for their careers and so forth
1: yeah, absolutely, and the thing is as well you know it, it's you know, it's like anything. You know, you know, we 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 trained on the day. See you later, chaps. Are like, yeah, see you, Scotty. See you later, yeah, See you tomorrow. And then you get a phone call, Scotty. We got some bad news. Or you know, and and you just think. And then you've got to go into work the next day. You've got to go into work. You've got to go into the place of work where the guy who looked after all the larger than life character was no longer there. You know, nobody knew why. What initially nobody knew what he'd done. Mm. How he'd done it and why he'd done it. Obviously, we found out what he'd done, but we never found out why. Mm. And to this day, nobody knows why. Only he knows. And 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 like I say, it, it, it's you know we we it, it, it hit the club a lot harder than what people probably give it credit for.
0: That season, although we get relegated, is yeah. known for its cup run. And yeah. you you get the ball rolling. OK, we lo- lose the game. But that goal turns out to be quite important, really, because yeah. um, because it's uh, against Charlton in, yes. in the first, well, second round, first leg. Yeah. And do you think, even though that you weren't there for the, the entirety of that cup run, do you think it was a distraction
1: for Swindon? I, I don't know. I really don't. I wish I wouldn't have gone. I wish I'd have stayed because, you know, I watched the game against... The, you know the, the two legs against Bolton. was it Bolton I think yeah. yeah and um you know on both both home and away really Swindon should have got results mm-hmm. you know I, if I'm being honest with you I, I wish I'd have stayed I wish I wish I wouldn't have had to have gone because no because you see the thing was they're, they're not when when you're a team in the championship although we was trying to push to get to to obviously get to 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 get back into the premier league we'd sort Drifted down the league a little bit, anyway. So effectively, the cup competition becomes like a welcome, a welcome release from league football. And actually, you can see that you have an opportunity because if you look at the draws that we got, they were good draws. Yeah, we got good draws all the way through to the semi-finals, you know. And and um, and it was an opportunity for the club, which you know they sadly missed out on, but. uh but no, I wish I'd have stayed. If I'm being honest, being brutally honest, mm. I really do.
0: We'll go into a bit more detail on that in a few moments. But oh, in, in Gorman's last game, you score the last goals yes. of of his tenure, yeah. don't you, at Bristol City? Yeah, that, yeah, that the that two later. goals. Yeah, and you have a nice little yeah. run. You score in Fandy Rowland. You're you, you scoring a couple of goals as well. And then Steve McMahon comes in. So that's a, a return to Swindon's. Yeah. That's you know. Give a big name their first steps in management yeah you, you didn't have very yeah. long with Steve McMahon. when he first arrived right. were, you, were you impressed or was it pretty clear from the start that you were going to get the,
1: the boot well look I, I didn't i didn't anticipate if i'm being honest with you I didn't anticipate I would go uh, because if you actually look at that if you, if, you, if you actually look at the goals that Jan and I scored together in that season. I think we were probably the collectively, in, as a partnership in, in, in the in the championship as it was, as or yes it is, we, we were probably the top goal scorers. Um, so as a partnership, we you know we scored a lot of goals. So I didn't I didn't feel I didn't feel personally as if I would I would go. I didn't believe I didn't feel that. But when he came into the club, I I, ju- I just didn't I didn't like him. I, I wasn't keen on him. He wasn't my cup of tea. You know, he he was a very aggressive manager. Um, and don't get me wrong. Listen, you know Martin O'Neill was aggressive. You know, he, he, you know if 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 things had to be, if you had to be told, you got told in no uncertain terms. But but Martin O'Neill had a had a charisma about him. He had a he had a presence about him. John Gorman wasn't an aggressive man, but he had a presence. He had he had he had something about him. Steve McMahon had nothing. You know, that was my personal opinion when I saw him. I didn't see anything. I saw a great player and he was a great player, but i didn't i didn't I didn't see any charisma I didn't see any presence and um he, he, i just I just felt nothing for from him really if i'm being honest and and his debut as well, i think he, he was he came in as a player man was south end he got sent off and and it's really weird you know look I, i'm 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 a great believer that if you're in a position of authority, you have to lead by example, and if he wants to be a player manager, that's fine. But you don't get sent off, you know, and 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 to me, you know, it just it, it just it wasn't for me personally. It wasn't for me.
0: Yeah, it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because yeah, you kind of you kind of when you when you see him get that second book in and see if that's Keith Scott doing that, and you're at full time, you're sat in those changing rooms. Yeah, your manager's going to give you a grilling,
1: isn't yeah, he? Absolutely. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah.
0: And then you get into the changing rooms, and Steve McMahon's there, ready. To, I mean, does he does he hide his blushes, or does he just go? Well, you are rubbish. I did that because you did this, and you did this, and you did this. Or was he like, sorry guys, I won't do that again? Or? Well, we,
1: we cause I think we lost the game two nil or two one. I think nil, it was yeah. two two nil. Yeah, um, and we get in the changing room and look, he goes through the game, et cetera, and blah blah blah. And it and it's you know, for me, the big thing with footballers are if you give them the if you give them an an, an excuse, they'll take it footballers will do that. So if you're a manager, you know, if you look at the great managers and all that. They leave no, no stone unturned. Nothing. They don't give the players the opportunity to make the excuses. And and really, you know, you look at that we lost 2-0, you know, it's, it's not it's not a great result. Um not a great start for him, but you know, as a, as a, as a, for me personally as a player coming in, I'm thinking, well you are our leader. You're the person who we look up to 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 actually Stop the rot and make things and 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 get us progressing up the league and actually your first game you know you 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 know the second booking i think he, he elbowed somebody off the ball mm. i think you know and i just think well are you trying to maybe you make a statement i don't know but it's just not the way to be really and i and I, and you take the obviously i he, you know i i went he, he got rid of me but you know, over the course of the season. I think you look at it and I think his record was probably worse than John Gorman's.
0: You were part of the Christmas schedule. You play against your future employers just a couple of days before you move there. At what yeah. stage
1: did you know that you were leaving? Um, well, I was, in, I was in bed with my wife. My wife was seven months pregnant um, with my first, my eldest boy. And I get a phone call and it's Steve at mine. He said, We've sold you. I went, oh, okay, fair enough. I said where? He said Stoke City. And in no uncertain terms, it, it was, I had to go. That was it. I had to go. So I signed. But what I should have done in hindsight, I should have said, don't want to go. I'm not mm-hmm. going, Gaffner. Because my wife's seven months pregnant, I'm not going anywhere. Um, but it was, it was, you know, it was literally a, a, you know, I don't know whether it was because he wanted, because he brought in Peter Thorne. He That's wanted true. to bring in Peter Thorne. Um, whether he wanted to bring him in, but he had to get rid of either me or Jan. And he looked at Jan. Jan had 22 goals or 20 goals. I had 12. I'd probably not scored for seven or eight games. And he probably looked at me and thought, well, I don't fancy him. Jan's a better player, which he was. I'll keep Jan. We'll get rid of Scotty, you know. And, and that, so then he enabled him to bring Peter Thorne in. So it's, it's, it's a natural thing that as a as a as a manager you want to bring your own people in and and um and you know he basically you know I had to go really um in his eyes I had to go the, you know whether the club needed money I don't know but it was made clear to me that my future wasn't at Swindon really and uh, and foolishly I, I went to Stoke and I signed it was the worst year of my life uh for different reasons but what I in hindsight if I was rolling back the years to 26 27 and he rang me up and said, "Stoke have come in for you. We, you know, we've accepted it. You have got to go I said, "Gaffer, I'm going nowhere. Wife, seven months pregnant. We'll talk about it tomorrow at the club. I'm going to sleep. Bye." And that's what I've done, that's and cool. I have, have dug my heels in.
0: Yeah, yeah remarkable. Yeah, H- how, long, how long did you have on your contract? Um,
1: I had probably a year and a half. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah so you had. The control. I signed a two and a half year deal. Yeah, I had the control, but it, it's, and I think as well, I think the other reason why I went was because. You know, I, I just, you know, I, for me I, as a manager, look, it's no different to, you know, in terms of what you do, Richard, you know, if a new manager comes and you don't like him, some people get a vibe that they don't like him, others like you. And and with Steve McMahon, I just, for me, just wasn't my cup of tea. So I suppose the fact it wasn't my cup of tea probably half made my mind up, you know, but it was a mistake. I should never have done it, never have done it.
0: And if you, I mean, if you ever saw Swindon's goal scoring for the rest of that season, it's bleak. There's a proper, I mean, fuelton yeah. continues sort of scoring, but he's not prolific. Thorn does score no. some goals, but it's, I mean, we're going three games at a time on three different occasions without scoring. And it's, and we, yeah. well, and we've, it's typical Swindon really because it's that season four teams got relegated into the third tier and we finished fourth bottom, you know, it's uh yeah.
1: And, well, well, do you know, the weird thing is you, you look, look, I look, I've managed in non-league football and all of that. And, and you know, you know, working with, with Martin O'Neill and all of that, you know, and you look at it and if you're a manager coming into Swindon, if you get that job from John Gorman, look, it's not rocket science to tell you where the problems are. Um, you know, but you look at the strikers and you think, well, Jan's got 18, 19 goals. Keith Scott's got 10, 11 goals. Oh, and I've got strikers here who can probably get me 40, 50 goals a season here. What I've got to do is stop them going in at the other end. Mm. You know, so really, again, for me, a manager, a good manager, would have come in and recognised that he needs to stop them going in. So he may have looked at it and thought, I might need a couple of centre-halves, I might need a left or, you know, whatever. I don't need to worry about my strikers because actually they're scoring goals. But for whatever reason, you know, he wanted to bring in Peter Thorne and and he did. And don't get me wrong, Peter Thorne, technically a good player. But if I'm being honest with you, I think if I'd have stayed there, I I, I was confident I'd have got 20 goals that year. Um, I I think I had 12 when I left. Um, I'd have got 20 goals. Um, And actually, you know, if if you look at a striker at that level of football, if he gets you 20 goals a season, it's not a bad return. Jan would have got 30 odd. I think because I think Jan and I complemented each other very well, um, and I, and you know it's, it's as you get older you, you think a little bit more about it, and I and and I think that shows what a bad manager he was in my book. The fact that he comes in and he wants to get rid of a striking partnership that's probably got 30 goals already that season. Still linked. How Kerr? Oh, a slip by hazard. Well fetish the pass wasn't that good enough. Summerby. Good strike.
0: Swindon career so it doesn't go well at Stoke as you quite rightly pointed out we don't have to go into detail about that you kind of move around a fair bit so you Norwich that's got to be with Martin O'Neill as well isn't it yeah and then and then you find yourself back at Wickham where you find some form again but but it it is it's a lot of in-season moves with you for the rest of your career isn't
1: it yeah it is and um you know the the Stoke thing really was just you know just didn't work out I sh- Look, I shouldn't have gone, the main reason I shouldn't have gone because my wife was pregnant, it was stupid, but it didn't work out. I go to Norwich, swap deal with Mike Sharon, which is fantastic, and then lo and behold, I bet seven or eight weeks later, Martin O'Neill resigned, mm. um, which didn't help. Um, Gary Megson comes in, I find myself, I'm not in the squad. Um, he then gets the sack, and then Mike Walker comes in. And Mike Walker was a great bloke, lovely bloke. Also, as well, I had an injury as well there as well. I had a um, a micro fracture of the knee. So he came in, and within a month of him being there, I was out for probably four months with that with that injury. I get I get back fit, I get back playing my first game back. It's Ipswich Town in the reserves at Carrow Road. It was about eleven thousand there. That was my first game back, and then you know we we got to. It's really weird because my, my my we got to Christmas of the time when my contract was up the following um, the end of the June the following year and and obviously I'd not been back long back from injury and I spoke to Mike Walker and I said look you know where, wh- what's you know what's the situation and he said look Scotty I'll be honest with you you're not in the plans he said um, but I'm going to keep you involved in the first team. Um, he said, and and obviously we'll circulate your name to go out on and loan and, and we'll try and get you another club. I went, OK, fair enough. So Watford came in for me, which was Kenny Jacket, and they offered one hundred and fifty thousand pounds for me, but they didn't have any money. So they initially took me on a, a three month loan with a view to me actually signing at the end of the three months. And when I went there, Kenny Jackett said, "Look, we we need a, an experienced striker because we have got this young ladder, We've just got out of non-league football, but he's going to be. Listen, he's a good player." I went, "Okay, what's his name?" And it was Kevin Phillips. Yeah. So I was playing up front with Kevin Phillips. And uh, anyway, at the end of the at the end of the three-month loan period, I'd scored about. I think I'd got. I played um, in the three months. I played nine games. It's got three goals. And of course, I'm waiting to sign. And but they didn't have the money. So what might Walker do? He dragged me back and he said, look, you've done well out on loan. As far as I'm concerned now, you're available for selection. And I, I actually played the rest of the season. And then he offered me a year's contract. He offered me a new deal at the end of the year as well. He said, look, I want to offer you a new deal. I said, OK, so I'll give you a year. And I wanted two because I'd been given, I'd been offered a two, um, a three-year deal at Wickham. I'd got a three-year deal on the table at Chesterfield as well. And I wanted to stay at Norwich, but I, but I, I wanted more than a year, and, and they wouldn't give me more than a year, so I never signed really. So, in fairness to to the Norwich situation, it wasn't it wasn't sort of the fact that I wasn't the manager didn't want me. The manager offered me a new deal, but but it was a, it, I wanted two years, and he offered me a year. But I had three years on the table at Chesterfield and Wickham, so I came back to Wickham, and I came back to Wickham as well because my wife was pregnant with 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 uh, with my second child. And I didn't really want. I, I thought, well, if I'm not going to be at Norwich, I'll come back to Wickham, where, when she, obviously I, you know, when the child's born, I'm not going to be away for as I was for most of the time with my young, my eldest boy. I'm going to be there. So that was my, my thinking. Being a little bit older, being thirty odd, that was my thinking. And also as well, I'm now thinking towards the end of my career about possibly wanting to stay in the game as a coach, manager. And I thought, well, if I come back to Wickham. I've got a good reputation at Wickham as a player. I've served them very well. You know, if I see out my career, you know, till I'm 33, 34, then maybe it's a natural progression to uh, to actually um, go on and coach and hopefully manage. But as it happens, I, I did very well. <laughs> and they ended up selling me to Reading for 250000
0: <laughs> And so that Reading side, I always remember because if you didn't, play alongside players who had played for swindon you played for players who would go on to play for swindon so you had yeah. chris casper you had martin Quick. williams andy gurney yeah. who i'm sure yeah. you'll remember A.D. williams yes. darius henderson yeah. sammy Igo, yeah. Just, yeah. just just look at whitbread um just yes loads of players who had who had links to town AD vivash as well of course yeah
1: absolutely yeah. AD vivash yeah <laughs> i know so it was it was quite interesting really but you know, again, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, when I came back to Wickham, I had, I didn't have any thoughts about, you know, pre- going anywhere else. I was yeah. quite content to see out my time at Wickham, but it, it just transpired that, you know, Reading made an offer of two hundred and fifty thousand, and Wickham accepted it, and ended up going to Reading, which was a great club to go to for really. but at the time it was really weird. I was about thirty-three at the time, you know, and I had two years there, and then obviously I left. Hmm. What,
0: what was what was a young Alan? Was it Tommy Burns that brought you in?
1: Tommy Burns brought me in. Who was a great bloke? Oh, yeah. um, God, 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 rest his soul. He was a fantastic, great coach. Um, the mistake he made is Packy Bonner was his number two. What he should have done, we had, um, we had. Um, he brought in a lad from Celtic. We used to call him yeah, Celtic. He was known as Peter Pointer. I can't think of his name now, but anyway, he should have had him as his number two. He was because he, he, he was a bit more. He was he would have been a better number two, but Tommy Burns was a fantastic coach. He brought me in. He obviously got the sack, <clears throat> and then Alan Pardew came in, and John Gorman came as his number two. And I think, if I'm being honest, Alan Pardew's success at uh, at Reading uh, was partly down to John Gorman. You know, John Gorman was the experience the hold, the old head. Alan Pardew at the time of getting the job, I think might have been player manager or something at Worthing um and he got the job and he he in fair play to him you know he he was cute enough to get in John Gorman and it was a great appointment because of you know fast experience and in fairness to Alan Pardew you know he did a good job at Reading and he you know and he went on to have a, a good career as a manager
0: and you had a, still plenty of years left in football yeah. i mean you you sort of drift down the pyramid but you have a great season at, at Dover and then you sort of yeah. you do some moving
1: I mean scarborough yeah, I know well, well the way, I'll tell you how that one came about scarborough when i was where was I? I think I was at Reading, and I went on loan to Northampton. No, to no, know it wasn't that no, I'm telling fibs, I tell you what it was when I was at Reading, I went on loan to colchester and and when I was coming to the end of my 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 contract, um I had an injury on my left leg, and it was i I did a micro fracture of the knee again. Tore my cartilage and an eighty percent tear of my cruciate ligaments. Anyway, I got back and what have you, but look, I, I was finished if I'm being brutally honest. And I never got a contract at at at, at Reading. But Kevin Wilson, who was a manager of of, of um Nor- of Northampton, said, "Look, come on trial here." And I went on trial. With Northampton went went on went went on. Um, they went on a pre-season tour to Ireland. I went with them, and he he couldn't sign me because they didn't have any money. He said, "Look, I want to sign you, but we've got no money." And he had a number two. And I was talking to his number two at some point, and And um, he said, what do you want to do? And it just so happens, the reason why the Scarborough thing came around, because that number two went as manager of Scarborough. Yeah. And I can't think of his name now. Anyway, and then he rang me up and said, do you want to, you, you know, do, 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 do you fancy being, I was at Dover at the time, I think. And he said, do you want to come and be my number two at Scarborough? And foolishly, I said no. And I should have said yes. And then uh, six months later... I ended up signing for them as a player, um, and
0: then you, you had about six years, cons- sort of solid non-league management experience. Was that something that you wanted yeah. to progress, or was were yeah. you put off by yeah, any... Yeah, no,
1: no, 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 no. I, 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 always wanted to be a manager, and I got my first break at Leighton Town. Took them over; they were bottom of the league. It's really weird; they were bottom of the league, eleven points. And that's why I talk about Steve McMahon. That I, I, I went, I went. I went for the job and and I had the interview and then I watched, I got offered the job and on my first game I watched them play was Dunstable. They got beat 1-0 at home and I was watching them and bear in mind they're bottom of the league. They're 11 points from safety and I'm watching them. I'm thinking, how on earth are this team bottom of the league? Mm -hmm. They had some really good players. They really did and they lost the game 1-0 and I went on the pitch at the end of the game to speak to them. I said, listen chaps, I said, look, You've lost one nil, but I'm telling you now, you're a good side. There's something fundamentally wrong. I said, but don't worry about it. That's why I'm here to sort it out. And collectively, we'll sort it out and we'll stay up. I guarantee you that. And um, and we did. Um, I got rid of the goalkeeper um, because he, uh, with the previous manager, just he, his remit with the previous manager was he didn't have to train. Um, and they had a reserve team goalkeeper who played in that game, who was a good, decent goalkeeper. And and he and uh, you know I said, well done. I said. You know, big game Saturday, he said, I won't be playing Saturday, I said, why not? And he told me, obviously, and in the end, the goalkeeper, I I said, you're going to play Saturday, you're going to play. If you keep playing well, you'll play. And he played him for the rest of the season, and we ended up staying up, and we actually won, we won what I think was called the Bucks Charity Cup as well, so, you know, it it was one of those, you know, obviously managed at non-league level, but, you know, as a manager, when you go in, you assess your team, and you see where your strengths and weaknesses are, And if you can't replace your weaknesses, you have to make them better. But what you don't do is you don't disrupt your strengths. And actually, the strength of Leighton Town, weirdly enough, was their back four and their goalkeeper. It was just a matter of tinkering with the midfield to get the best combination in midfield. And we had a lad up front who could score goals but was as lazy as they (laughs) come. So you just had to tolerate him. He was a great, he was a lovely lad, but just, you know, lazy. But would only cooperate in the six yard box. So basically what you did was you just, I said to him, listen, don't make runs just when we've got the ball, just get in the box. That's what I want you to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what he did. And we ended up staying up. So, so yeah, so that was that. And then from, from there I went to Windsor and Eaton. I took them over and it was again, really weird. You know, I went there and, you know, the previous manager had put, put had a bonus structure where the goalkeeper got a clean sheet bonus. The defenders got a, a clean sheet bonus, Striker's got a goal bonus, midfielder's got a, a goal bonus, a draw. You know the, these stupid bonuses, and and I sat there with it with the chairman and the vice chairman. I said, "We've got to change this. This you can't have. This you can't have. You can't be you can't be giving people bonuses if if they're not being successful." So we we couldn't get rid of it that year, but the but the following season, um, there was the bonus was basically the first six games you got a bonus, um, and then you only got Bonuses again if you was in the top five, because five, that was the playoff spots and the championship. If you dropped out of that, you never got anything. So the second season we finished runners up, and then the third season we, uh, the third the season we won the league. We went 32 games unbeaten, um, and we lost three games all season, and that was it. But the interesting thing was when we finished runners up, Truro won the league when we finished runners-up, we'd, we'd scored something like 79 goals and conceded something like 40 goals or something of that nature. The year we won the league, we scored 85 goals, but we only conceded 25.
0: Mm.
1: And it was actually not... And, and this is... Although I'm a striker and I love I love to see teams scoring goals, in actual fact, the teams that win things are the ones that don't concede. Mm. You know, and, 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 that, and that's what good sides are built on it they're built on a good defense
0: so when you when you're encountering that sort of level of success are you
1: thinking well yeah you
0: know there's going to be offers eventually or were there offers to coach well
1: yeah you know when Wickham sacked their managers I was bookie's favorite on two occasions and never even got an interview mm. and 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 if I'm being honest with you that that disappointed me really I would have expected an interview at Wickham and I never did you know and and because, you know, I'll I tell you what it is, Richard. It, it, it's the same, cl- it's a classic. You know, they say we're looking for somebody with experience. Well, in actual fact, you know, with a great respect to Wickham, Wickham at the time were League 3, um, or League 2, sorry. You know, I've played in every division in the Football League. So I've got the experience to manage a team at that level. Um, and in actual fact, it's not about experience. You know, the amount of managers who get the sack who are experienced managers, the bottom line is you either know the game or you don't. If you don't know the game, actually you can have all the experience in the world, you're going to fail. And the most important thing when you go into any football club is you've got to assess the squad very quickly and you've got to recognise the weaknesses and the strengths. And actually, once you, once you recognise the weaknesses, if you can't replace them, it's how, how you, you make them better. You get the best out of them, but as a you know, so I was disappointed because I thought Wickham would have would have given me an opportunity to to have an interview, but then you know, obviously, never happened, and and obviously for quite a while I was bitter and twisted, if I'm being honest. But I'm at an age now where I'd love to still get involved in football. I really would, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I, I don't really lose any sleep over it. Now. Sure. And what are you up to nowadays? Um, I am for my sins. I've been working for a company for 11 years that fit out and refurbish commercial premises, so we design and build of commercial mm-hmm. premises, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I do that.
0: Yeah. So we'll close now with my regular sort of question, and it's Swindon Town okay. related. So when... Because what is so clear to me through listening to you talk is, I mean, you yeah. were at Swindon for such a short time of your long career, but yeah. there's clearly still a great fondness for the club, which is amazing. Yes. So when, when you close your eyes and think of Swindon Town, mm-hmm. what immediately
1: springs to mind? Obviously the Premier League time, the Premier League days, um, the supporters, nice people, the players, good lads, good laugh. You know, it, it, it's there are no negatives really. The manager, John Gorman, I got huge respect for him, thought the club, you know, at the time didn't really... Treat him very well in terms of getting rid of him. I thought they could have been more patient, and I think if they would have been patient with him, I think we'd have been okay. But I've got nothing but fond memories for the club, it's, and I love going back there. I really do. It's, it's a lovely club, it really is.
0: Keith Scott, the man who scored the winning goal in town's first Premier League win. Thank you very much.
1: My pleasure, Richard. Thank you. The
0: The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening.
1: For it's a grand old team to play for, and it's
0: a grand
1: old team to see, and you know the history, it's enough to make your heart glow. oh, don't care what the Newcastle say, what the hell do we care, cause we only know that there's going to be a show, and it's wind and turmoil.